Hello, everybody. So good to see you. I am happy you're at church. Thanks for prioritizing this. There's probably some good football being played. But you came to church. I love it. Hey, we are in this series where we're looking at just different phrases that we sometimes culturally attribute to God. And they typically have some partial truth, but they're actually not what God said. And so he's, I think sometimes he goes, I didn't say that. Like we looked at God wants me to always be happy. God didn't say that. Um, God helps those who help themselves. No, the good news is God helps people who can't help themselves. Thank goodness for that. Uh, this week I want to look at this one. God won't give you more than you can handle. I hear this one a lot. Uh, people say it frequently. God won't give you more than you can handle. And here's the challenge with that. This book is filled with stories of people who they were constantly facing more than they could handle. Think of uh, maybe one that we'd be familiar with in one way or another, David and Goliath. You think when David is facing this massive mountain of a man, he's a teenage shepherd, he's got five rocks and a piece of rawhide, and you know, here's this Goliath of a man. Do you think David thought, you know what, I can handle this? Oh, he, it's way more than he can handle. You think when Moses is trying to lead the people out of Egypt, God says, hey, go tell, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. All right, I got this, Lord. No. I mean, time after time in the Bible, God asks people to do things that is beyond them, that they just cannot handle. I was thinking about a time I actually heard this phrase. Um, Jenny and I had moved to a new place and we were leading... Um, an organization, and it was, it was tough. We were 32 years old. The, the organization had millions of dollars in debt. Uh, initially came in, we had to lay people off, which makes you just super popular with everybody else. And um, I was dealing with anxiety. Uh, I just never experienced anything like this. And so I talked to somebody. I thought, I need somebody safe to talk to. So I was talking to this person. I told them the story and told them how I was feeling. And they looked at me and they said, well... Here's what I know. God won't give you more than you can handle. And I remember looking back at them and thinking, I can't handle it, though. Like, so either you're wrong or I'm not sure what's going on because God's given this to me and I can't handle it. So what do I do with that? What do I do with that? On Friday night, I went over to watch our two oldest boys play football over in Helena. You know what? If you need out of a football game... If you're hurt, just really exhausted, what do you do? Anybody know the, this, the sign? Come on. You do this, right? Typically, guys do this. You, you, you pat the top of your helmet like this, and coaches are like, okay, he needs out. So one of my sons was doing this, and I saw the coach on the sideline go, uh-uh. He's like, ah. He hurt his hand. Coach was like, uh-uh. So eventually they let him out. What, wouldn't it be nice in life? Okay, if, if you're facing more than you can handle, in whatever situation in your life, all you did is you're like, God, you send in a sub. Could you give me a break? Because I can't do this. I can't do this. That doesn't happen. But what does happen is this. Is that God will give you and I more than we can handle. But here's what he does as well. He gives us grace. And what is Grace. Grace could be defined in many, many ways, but this might be one of the better definitions. 
the enabling power of God. Grace, the enabling power of God. When I am facing more than I can handle throughout the stories of this book, when people are in over their heads, when they can't make it, this is what God does. God shows up and he gives them grace and strength so that they can deal with the situations they find themselves in. This is what I'd like to do. I'd like to take the next several minutes and I'd like us to look at three areas where God will give you more than you can handle and three scriptures that address that. The first one would be this. I think a lot of times we are facing more than we can handle in the area of finances, okay, in the area of finances. Secondly, in the area of temptation, what does God do when we are facing temptations that seem beyond us that we can't handle? And thirdly, we'll spend the majority of our time on the idea of, we'll look at Paul, and Paul's facing more than he can handle in terms of his own physical suffering and his challenges that lie ahead of him. So, first of all, God will give you more than you can handle in terms of your finances. Are you ready for this? Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody right now, you're just like, I am in so over my head. Sometimes we overspend. You know, the latest survey that I read says that the average American spends a dollar and six cents for every dollar that they earn. You do not have to be good at math to realize that that's not a good equation. We spend six cents more than every dollar we earn, which leads to what? It leads to indebtedness. It leads to stress. It leads to strain. The book of Proverbs says, the borrower becomes slave to the lender, and we feel as if we're slaves. Sometimes it's decisions we made. Sometimes it's a lack of employment. Things fell apart. It's medical expenses or bills that we never anticipated. There is a tremendous amount of stress in our culture over finances. We are the most prosperous society to ever live, and yet we struggle with this idea of finances feeling over our heads. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to read what Paul says in the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul is talking about his own financial life. He has troughs and valleys and hills and it's been all over the place. But he says, I'm fine. I'm fine. Here's how I manage my life financially. Let's read this together. Philippians chapter 4. I am not saying this because I am need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Let's just pause right there for a moment. Contentment. Paul says, you learn it. It doesn't happen naturally. I don't think there's a human being in this room that was born content. When you were two years old, you were shouting this word. I know you were. Mine! And you still do. But we just camouflage it. At our core, we want more. Paul says this. I have learned the secret of being content. Contentment does not come when I finally get everything I want. See, that, that's what advertising tells us. If you drove this car, lived in this house, had this job, were married to this person, had this motorcycle, drank this beer, then you would be happy. Have you found that's not how you find contentment? It's, it's not through the achievement of more. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret 
of being content in any and every situation. So my contentment, what he's saying is this, my financial life has done this, but my contentment has been steady. I don't become more or less content depending on whether or not I have money. My contentment is disassociated. It's divorced from my financial life. My contentment is based on who I am. It's based on who God is. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Let's pause right here. Paul says this. I can stay content when I'm facing difficulty in my life. I think I can't handle this. I can't pay this bill. I don't know how to get out of this hole. Paul says, listen, I can do all this. How? It does not say through him who gives me more money. Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, when it's bad, that's okay. God always gives me more money. No, he says, he gives me strength. He gives me strength. If I'm wealthy, when you're wealthy, you have a lot to lose. You have a lot to worry about. If you're wealthy, you have people coming at you. You feel like a commodity at times. I try to protect the people in this church who are wealthy so they don't feel used or abused. When you're wealthy, you know how you get through it? God gives you strength. To not begin to worship money. When you're broken, when you're poor, when you're going through a difficult time, how do you get through it? How do you not blame? How do you not worry? How do you not be filled with anxiety? So. God gives you strength. It comes through him. It doesn't come through me. It doesn't come through more work. If we can move on, please. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that, uh, is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have made more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. The Philippians have been a very generous church with Paul. That's how he was able to go out and plant his churches. And he ends this way. He says, and my God, my God, this God I serve, this God who's given me contentment, this God who's been with me through the ups and downs, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He does not say, meet all of your wants all of your desires, all of your expectations. But Paul says this, when you are in over your head financially, when you are stretched, when you think, I don't know how I'm going to make it, this is what he says, my God will supply all of your needs according to the glorious riches that are found in Jesus Christ. Financial tension is at the core of so many marriages. I run into it all the time. Different spending habits. Debt brings stress. We start to blame one another. Wherever you are at, if you're feeling, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I get free. This is, this is what I know. All I know is what Paul says, is that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can face this. You can't do all things by yourself. It is impossible. You won't be able to do it. But you can do this. Through Christ who gives you strength. Now, when I was 17 years old, I absolutely misunderstood this verse. I um, was at, uh, for, a, for a week and a half period, I was at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And it happened to be 1988. The guy that would win the Olympic gold medal was named Kenny Monday in wrestling. 
He was the best wrestler in the world. I happened to be in his weight class. They brought me into the Olympic Training Center, and I assumed it was because they saw great potential in me. In reality, you guys know what a crash test dummy is? You put it in a car, and you drive the car into the wall, and you just don't care about the crash test dummy, right? <laughs> Do it again! I was the crash test dummy. They had other people that they were afraid could get hurt and it could jeopardize the future of wrestling in America. If I was hurt, it didn't matter to anyone, right? So I'm a dummy to the gold medalist that year in just a few months. And I'd go in there and he would, he was, he, I mean, he was unbelievable. Dan Gable's the coach, Jonathan Smith is on the team. And, and one day, like, he just knew how beat up I was. And, like, I, I was like, nobody, nobody cares. All I knew is I knew where every, like, cobweb was on that ceiling. I knew exactly how many lights were up there. Because it was just, my, I, I thought I was a great wrestler, but I realized that's not the case. And one time on the third day, he holds up his Olympic um, warm-up. And he goes, if you can score one point on me, I give you this. You know what I'd done the night before? I'd taken my wrestling shoes and I'd pulled the insoles out and I wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I put the insoles back in and now I am standing on that verse. <laughs> and I'm looking at Kenny Monday and I'm like, you don't know what I have in my shoe, right? <laughs> Bam, I am on my back counting lights. I misunderstood the verse. <laughs> See, w when I read it that way, who's the emphasis on? I can do all things. And very quietly, through him who gives me strength. The verse needs to be read this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And Paul is speaking specifically right there, not about Kenny Monday. He's speaking about the financial complexities of my life. And if you feel overwhelmed, this is, this is what I can tell you. You can do all things. You can make your way through this. You can remain generous. You can let go of worry and you can let go of fear. Through him who gives you strength. That strength will not come from you. It will, it will not be accessed as you look deep inside. That is not where it comes from. It comes from a God who is with you, a God who can teach us how to be content, whether we have little or much. It, teach, it comes from this. It comes from a God who says, I will meet every one of your needs according to the vast riches in Christ Jesus. I'll take care of you. When I am in over my head financially, God says, I'm there. My grace is present. Secondly, a place where we feel like we're often in over our heads, we feel like I can't handle this, God's giving me more than I can handle, is in the world of temptation, in this whole realm of temptation. I want us to read together from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 13. Uh, many people, I mean, we feel it all the time. There are secrets in this room. One of the things that we just agree on, if you're a visitor here this morning, I hate to tell you this, but you are amongst a whole bunch of dysfunctional people, all right? So if you walked in and thought, well, everybody seems so perfect. No, they're all messed up, every one of us. 
we're broken, we're finding healing in God, we're hypocrites in recovery, all of it's true. So you should fit just, you know, fit right in. You should fit right in. Um, here's though, sometimes when we are tempted, we feel like, I can't do this. There are people in the room, you're, you're, you're on the precipice. I understand. Things are happening, secret things in your life. And you know, if you make this decision, people are going to be impacted. There's going to be pain. Your instincts are telling you to live one way. Here's what Paul says when you're facing that type of temptation, when you think it's more than you can handle. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Let's pause there for just a moment. When you are facing significant temptation, it could be in the area of sexuality, it could be in the area of business, it could be in the area of addictive behavior, it could be in the area, whatever it is. Here's where we go. We think we're all alone. I can't tell anybody about this. I'll be judged. We also isolate. We pull back. We feel shame. Listen, you do not have to feel shame for experiencing temptation. You don't have to draw back from God. You don't have to draw back from people. Paul introduces this whole idea of temptation. He goes, I want you to know what you're facing, whatever the temptation is, you're not alone. You're not the only one who's faced this. You need help right now. You need people. You need to bring this into the open rather than hide it in the dark. God is faithful. When you're tempted, he doesn't give up. He's not disgusted by the fact that you're tempted. Jesus went through temptation. He knows every temptation we have. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. This is where this whole phrase comes from. God will never give you more than you can handle. It, it, it doesn't say exactly this. He says, but here's what God will do. When you're tempted, he will make sure that there's a way out. It's not beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide. Notice the word provide. He makes, he provides a way out so that you can endure it. When you are facing that crisis decision, that dark temptation. What does God do? The Greek phrase, a way out, was used in building to make a trap door in the floor. Where if there was someone invading, you knew we can't defend the house, you open up the door, you slide right out, and you escape. God says, I'm faithful. If you're facing one of those difficult situations and you're feeling temptation at the core of who you are, you're not alone. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to hide from God. Bring it into the open. God will always create a way out. So when I'm feeling deep temptation, when you're feeling it, start to look. Okay, God, where's the escape hatch? You promised, you promised that this would not be more than I can bear. You promised that there's a way out. Who do I talk to? How do I get this into the open? Where do I run to? God will be faithful in the midst of temptation. And then thirdly, so we've got, when I feel overwhelmed financially, when I feel overwhelmed in terms of temptation, thirdly and finally, let's talk about just the idea of when I'm facing painful or seemingly overwhelming circumstances. Painful, seemingly overwhelming circumstances. 
I love what we're about to read from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because Paul is very vulnerable. He's very vulnerable about something that's happening in his life. He is in a process of defending himself. There are people who have come to discredit him, to make him seem uh, less than, saying, hey, you need to listen to us instead. This is what Paul says. He says this. First, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Because of the extravagance of those revelations. He says, I went to heaven. I heard things. I saw things. God gave me this tremendous revelation. Uh, and so that I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap. Right there, you got to pause. So you're given the gift of a handicap? I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. How many of us just love being in constant touch with my limitations? Like, oh, that sounds fantastic, Paul. Satan's angel, this word messenger, angel means messenger, did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God. I begged God to remove it. Uh, this is more than I can handle, God. This, this pain, this reality in my life, take it away. Three times I did that, and then he told me, this is it, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength, God says, comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap, on the brokenness, on the pain, on the sickness, on the lack. I quit focusing on that and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. What is Paul talking about? What's he talking about? We don't even know exactly what this limitation that Paul was facing was. Um, lots of people have speculated. Speculated from some sort of internal tumor. He uses a, a phrase in the Greek, a thorn in the, in the flesh. So maybe there's some sort of constant pain that he had. Probably the most likely scenario that most scholars would push to is that Paul was losing his physical sight. He's losing his physical sight. Later in life, he becomes more and more dependent on, upon traveling companions, and he begins to dictate the letters that he writes. He probably can't see to write, and so he dictates it out loud, and friends like Timothy and Epaphroditus actually write down what he says. He sends those letters off to the churches. Not sure what it was. All I know is this, it was really difficult. Paul says, I received this handicap 
I didn't understand why. Paul was the guy that had prayed for people and they were healed. And so three times I went to God and I just begged him. I said, God, take this away. This is more than I can handle. This is painful. Make me better. This hurts God. Three times. You know what God did? God said, Paul, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is actually made perfect in the midst of your weakness. It's not, Paul says, I've embraced it. I've embraced it because I've realized that when God is present, when this is happening, when I am weak, when I'm broken, when I'm vulnerable, what it does is it creates a vacuum or it creates a void in my life. Paul, Paul may have been one of the most able, intelligent, brilliant human beings to ever walk the planet. He could do it all by himself. He was incredibly well-educated. He was well-versed in philosophy in multiple languages. He's planting churches left and right. He is literally changing the Roman Empire from the inside out. And he gets to this place now where God says, oh, good job. I love what you're doing, Paul. Here you go. Here's a gift. Paul's like, oh, the gift of a handicap? Paul says, I begged to get rid of it, but here's what I found. It drove me to my knees. I, I tended to be independent. I tended to rely on my own strengths and my own abilities. But when I couldn't do it anymore because of this pain in my life, it led me to call out to God in a new way, and it led me to realize that I didn't have it all together and somebody else had to come in. And so when this void happened, when my abilities ended, that's where God infused me with strength. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Your skills aren't sufficient. Your energy level isn't sufficient. Your abilities aren't sufficient. Your work ethic isn't sufficient. The only thing that's sufficient for you is grace. See, there's something about my life and I wonder if it wouldn't be true for you. When life is really good, I find I wander farther from God. When I feel like, yeah, I got it all together. You know, uh, the church is going well, the kids are doing well, Jay and I are doing well. I just, I tend to begin to create an independent path from God. And this is, this is what God does. He gives me a gift. You know what the gift is? The gift of too much. The gift of too much. And you know what the gift of too much makes me do? It makes me fall to my knees. It makes me come back to him. It makes me declare my dependence. And I hear God again say, Nate. What I want is to know you. What I want is to walk with you. God will let you face more than you can handle. Why? Because he wants you to depend on him. 
He wants you to fall on your knees before him. He wants us to call out to him and to whisper in our ears when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel broken, when we're begging him to take it away. This is what he says. My grace is enough. Where you're at the end of your rope, that's where I show up. You're leaning on me now. In your weakness, you actually become strong. It's this bizarre paradox where I think, no, no, in my abilities, I became strong. God said this, no, no, when you finally realize your weakness, what it does is it creates space for God to fill my weakness. And that actually becomes an area of strength. So what's your weakness? What's one area of brokenness? Depression? Anxiety, fear, addiction. I don't know what it is for you. And you've been saying for years, God, take this insecurity from me. God, take away my workaholism. Take away whatever it is. God, please, please, please. And, and here, here what, here's what God might be doing. What if he's saying, actually... In a strange way, that's a gift. Because it's one of those few places in your life where you realize you can't do it. And so you fall on your knees. And you find that his grace is sufficient. And that his power is actually perfected in the midst of my weakness. If, if Paul was really facing physical blindness, here's what I think the beautiful irony would have been. In the book of Acts... Chapter 9. Paul is persecuting the church. He's vehemently against it. And he's on his way to go find more Christians and throw them into prison. And Jesus shows up, this blinding white light. I love it. Paul, this highly capable, highly educated person, says he fell on his backside. Okay, so the guy's totally humbled. He's laying on his back. He has an encounter with Jesus. His life's changed. But after the encounter with Jesus, he's blind. He has to go wait three days, and a man comes and prays for him, and eventually he can see again. Could it be, just could it be, this is speculative, could it be that now Paul, decades into this, he had gone back to being independent, to being strong, planting churches everywhere. And Jesus said, you know, Paul, I got a gift for you. And the gift is too much because it's going to make you come back to me. Is going to make you depend on me like you never have before. And Paul, either Paul is just a sicko who says, I love this new handicap. Or he figured out how God's power really works. Invite him in in the midst of your challenges. Here's just a few things in closing. Paul found that the greater the challenge, the greater the gift of grace. Here's what I know. If you're facing something really big, it's a diagnosis, it's a failure, it's a loss. There is enough grace to meet that. Secondly, Paul understood the paradox of finding divine strength in the midst of human weakness. You do not find divine strength in the newest book or the best conference. You know how you find strength? 
You find divine strength in the midst of your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul found that God would give him the gift of too much. And then just let me mention a few things about grace. Is grace this empowerment of God? Have you ever noticed this? <clears throat> grace is always just in time and just enough. <laughs> it's just in time and just enough. What do I mean by that? When you're in need, I have never like felt enablement and ability from God eight weeks before the challenge comes. I'm just like, man, I wish something bad would happen. Because I have so much faith and so much strength right now. Come on, God, bring it on. It comes just in time. Just when I drop to my knees, that's when it comes. And it's just enough. I've never gone through a bad situation in my life and thought, you know, I still got reserves. I, th I wish that would have lasted another six months. Like, I'm ready. Like, hmm. How's God's grace come? It comes just in time. And it's just enough. Why? Because it continues to create dependency. It makes me continue to look to him and to call out to him. Will you pray with me? Father, we live in a culture where we are constantly trying to ease our discomfort. It's just natural. We have so many ways to get out of pain from uh, medicine to conflict avoidance. We're always looking for the easiest route. And the problem is sometimes we translate, translate that to our spiritual lives and we're looking for the easiest path, the path of least resistance. But the way that you operate is not like that. You give us more than we can handle, but you also give us the grace to get through it. It's not a form of punishment. It's a form of relationship building. It's where we actually put bones into this faith. So Lord, for some of us in the room, we are facing more than we can handle financially. And this is what I pray. I pray that we would understand that my God will supply every need. Lord, I pray for contentment. I pray for peace. Lord, with those sleepless nights of anxiety and because we're going to trust you. We're going to stay faithful. We're going to believe that you care. We're going to be generous in the midst of it. And we are going to look for a contentment that has nothing to do with our financial reality. Lord, for some of us who are on the cusp of a decision, we're in the midst of temptation, and it is dark, we feel alone, we feel dirty, we feel shame. God, I pray that you would bring into the open what's going on in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the escape hatch and be willing to go through it. You will not leave us alone in a temptation that will bury us. You are always finding a way out, always, and we'll look for that. Lord, finally, for those of us, whatever our brokenness, whatever our dysfunction is, thanks for the gift of too much, because we fall on our knees and we call out to you, and we find that in our weakness, that's where you're strong. Find that your grace is enough. Our wisdom isn't enough. Our hard work is enough. 
Your grace is sufficient for us, for everybody in the room, whatever we face. The grace of God is sufficient. It's enough. He will be there. He will walk you through. If you keep your eyes closed for just a moment, I want to give an invitation to anybody in the room. This morning, you just need to surrender your life to Jesus. And I use that word on purpose. I'm not asking, do you believe that Jesus came? Do you believe he existed? I'm asking, are you ready to surrender your life to him? Because he loves you. He died in your place. If that's you and you need a new start, and you need to, the Bible says being regenerated. If you need that this morning, you just raise your hand real boldly. Wave at me. Absolutely. Yeah, right there. Yes. Yes, sir. You're son of God, daughters of God. You guys, all three of you are forgiven, made new right now. Anybody else? Okay, right there in the back. Absolutely. And here as well. Okay. In the, okay, yeah, right there. Yes, yes, ma'am. You remade. Okay, here. If that's you over here. Yes, sir. Brand new day for you. Yeah. You're in his family. Both you ladies. I love it. Thanks for being persistent. You're his. You're remade up here. Yep. Okay, I see your hand. And there in the balcony. Yep. Towards the top. Both of you. It's a brand new day. You're forgiven. Yes. I see your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, right there. Both of you up top there. Beautiful. And over here as well. Right there. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, we're done. Would you celebrate with me? There are a whole bunch right there as well. There are a whole bunch of people who raised their hands. His grace is sufficient for you. Covers everything from the past. He makes you new. If you did raise your hand on the way out, I want you to go to the Welcome Center. There's a free Bible there for you. I want you to jump in a rooted group. It's going to help put some meat on this new faith, uh, move towards baptism. Everybody else? You're going to face a little more than you can handle this week. And that is a wonderful thing. God bless you. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, please come forward.